everyone, and welcome to episode number three of Conversations in Momentum, brought to you by the team at Momentum Transport Consultancy. I'm Amélie Goss. And I'm Maylis Garden. So, our very own Momentum City is open its gate to the public, and we hope that you've been able to visit. But if you haven't already visited, you can take a look at www.momentum-city.com. Today on the podcast, we're talking to one of our colleagues, Lizzie Migno, about Momentum City, as well as her work and for talent cities around the world. Lucy is a strategic thinker and designer, passionate about the potential of urban places and how we experience them together. Globally connected, she has delivered projects in China, Latin America and the Middle East, and she speaks fluent Mandarin Chinese. Lucy is Momentum's public realm lead at Central District Alliance, where she is responsible for setting strategic vision and objectives for the Business Improvement District's contribution to Holborn and Clerkenwell's public realm. She works closely with public and private sector stakeholders and specialist consultants to shape larger projects and take them through planning while designing and delivering smaller projects focused on strengthening place attachment, climate resilience and active travel. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lucy. Thanks for having me. This is very exciting. I think it's probably my first podcast, so I hope it goes okay. Great. So let's get started. Um, so Lucy, we, we now have something that we, we start our podcast by asking our guests to share an interesting fact or story. So can you tell us something about your most memorable transport-related experience to begin the podcast? This is a, this is a really tough question because uh, there's so many. Um, but I was reflecting on maybe kind of what would be slightly unusual thinking about some of the transport experiences I had whilst living in mainland China. And it's a place where there's just been a fantastic amount of, of change in the movement transport landscape. And some of those experiences involved taking the parts of the new bullet train network around mainland China, which is absolutely spectacular, and was featured in the 2013 film by Spike Jonze. Where, called Her, where Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with an operating system. So that part of that was filmed um, in on inside some of China's bullet trains. So they're really a, a vision of perhaps what the future might hold. And also reflecting on the micromobility, both the rise and recalibration in China. So with dockless shared bikes as a, as a kind of mass resource starting at Peking University in Beijing in 2014, spreading all around the country over four or five years, and then recalibrating and changing their operating model. In response to that, we've definitely experienced the next, what's the next wave of that look like in Europe, perhaps slightly later. So that was, that was very interesting to see. And perhaps the less satisfactory experience of being a walker in mainland China, perhaps the, the least considered group, if I can sort of impolitely say, and it taking fully 30 minutes for me to walk from one side of an urban block to another with no respite. So, so that was definitely on foot uh, a memorable and striking, but less nice um, transport experience. Well, wow, my goodness, what, what a, a set of very different experience from walking in, on, a, on a film set, being part of a film set to actually 
not being able to go across the road um, by simply walking. And and actually really, really enjoyed your comment about how um, away from Europe, things are developing completely differently and sometimes like so much further ahead of us in terms of how quickly things are being implemented, um, like e-bikes in, in, in China. And it took a little bit longer um, for them to arrive um, in, a, in our streets and our doorsteps. So you thought that was a tough question, but um, be prepared for a few more. <laughs> um, I'd like to ask you, actually, um, because uh, we're going to have a piece of public realm uh, unveiled in Momentum City. And according to you, Lucy, what makes uh, a piece of perfect public realm? Mm. That is definitely a, a, a tough question as well. I guess the first thing I'd reflect on is that 80% of public realm are streets. So thinking about what is what is a great piece of public realm, it can be streets and it can be shared spaces that perhaps often what people see as public realm might be a square, those kind of set pieces of our of our city, those kind of major celebratory spaces, but actually it's also your street outside your house, the street you might walk down every day. And um and as an individual, it's it, the perfect piece of public realms, perhaps where it's comfortable and a pleasurable experience to walk or just to be, to observe and to interact with other people. Um, perhaps when working on behalf of others, um, thinking about the perfect piece of public realm, it's the, how that public realm is part of our economy, society, and also uh, interacts with the natural environment. And cities are spaces for trade and commerce so that public realm is a is a platform where that trade and interaction happens and a good piece of public realm that works effectively in an economic way helps to facilitate that to that trade to occur and that's perhaps one of the reasons why cities have had some of these shared spaces in the past they're originally markets and perhaps they just become squares later as they have evolved and thinking about the, how public realm functions as a foundation for society. It's about creating spaces for those social relationships, um, but also how perhaps that public realm is a part of our shared culture and identity and, and it reflects aspects of that heritage and how, how we like to socialise and that, that sort of aspect of culture and perhaps therefore those the social aspects of the public realm look different in different countries. Um, health, well-being, and a good piece of public realm has to, is sort of functioning very well in that in that aspect of supporting us to be healthy and and live active lives in cities. And sort of last but not least, really the environment, which underpins absolutely everything. And a piece of public realm that's uncomfortable. It's too hot. It's too windy. It's too cold. It's it's it will be deserted. So that's not not really a marker of success, um, and really as and as the kind of climate crisis unfortunately sort of hits hits more and more forcefully with each passing year, and it's a public realm that works well as perhaps one that's able to interact with nature in a more effective way than than is perhaps currently the norm. That's great, thank you, and I really liked your comment about how streets are our public realm. And I think, uh, from my experience here in Montreal, the the city is more and more trying to take that view and really bring projects that 
consider the streets as a new space. So I really love it. Um, now, looking away from our fictional city of momentum um, and back to real life, which is where we daily work, <laughs> uh, what would you say are the biggest barriers faced in achieving great public realm in your in your work? Um, I guess reflecting again on that sort of public realm is streets and shared spaces. It has so much that it needs to deliver for so many different groups of people. And there perhaps some of those challenges around the number of delivery partners that need to be involved for the public realm to do all the things we need to do. And the number of stakeholders that have to be involved as well. So perhaps one of those challenges is establishing those delivery partnerships and negotiating with stakeholders and negotiating around perhaps stakeholder needs that might be in competition with each other. And another challenge to great public realm may perhaps be the scale and speed of change that we might have to deliver. And sort of reflecting again on the climate challenge, we that's that's that wait that waits for no man or woman. So um that and perhaps the, the speed at which we're we're um, changing our approach to streets and shared spaces to be climate resilient maybe needs to increase. Um, and the importance of that social aspect in terms of the economic competitiveness of our cities and the social fabric. And cities are, are really competing now on quality of life and how they're competing for talent, competing for businesses. And um, so there's, there's a real sort of real pressure on public realms to deliver in, in that respect. Um, and in terms of scale and speed of change, we really have a number of health crises that are becoming more and more apparent. One of those is, is unfortunately obesity predicted to reach levels of 40% of the population within the next five, five years-ish, which is an enormous amount and is a huge risk factor for so many non-communicable diseases. And our health systems are not going to be able to cope with that. And our streets and shared spaces are just so crucial to be able to support us to live more healthy lives. And also the growing evidence of the health impacts of air pollution, which is just coming through, coming through so strongly now. Um, so we really have to have to make a change very quickly. And part of that is around changing the way we design public realm, perhaps the mix of skills that are involved in that process. And perhaps more, more, more fundamentally as well, earlier on in the, in the, in the process, the decisions that we take around what to prioritise in that public realm, for example, are we are we or are we not sufficiently prioritising trees? Uh, I would personally say no. So, and and what can that deliver for climate resilient streets? A great deal. And lastly, to changing the way we work to deliver. So the challenge would be sort of thinking about who those delivery partners are that may not currently be involved. Um, what the delivery relationship looks like, what the process looks like, and who and how are we funding it. Some of those things will need to be renegotiated. And we're all, um, in terms of public private sector, um, we're all, all involved in that. Thanks, Lucy, for, for setting out those, those big challenges that we have to resolve. Um, looking, looking at it a bit more positive, positively, what does, what does good looks like? What do you, what kind of public realm have you come across that you think is being su successful? What, in other terms, what inspires you and why? Hmm. Well, I guess some some of the sort of what does what does good look like perhaps can go quite far back in history in terms of climate resilient public 
realm. We, we looked at sort of traditional, um, traditional built heritage and, and streetscape patterns that have been used in, in areas of the world where the climate has been more challenging for longer periods of time. And perhaps we, we can revisit and reflect on whether some of those design tools and techniques can still can, can be reactivated. Um, and also what does good public look like thinking about those social relationships, either for the economic aspects of trade or for the social aspects of our, of our community relationships, is um, we can draw upon so much learning and good practice from qualitative research and the thinkers and practitioners that have come before us on observing what, what works for um, supporting social interaction in our public spaces, Either the design of seating, the positioning of seating, how we how how far we see the importance of being a certain distance from from other people, um, in terms of being able to see and hear hear each other, where we feel comfortable being in a public space that we like to feel sort of protected, and um, to some to some extent, um, all of all of that a lot, a lot a lot of that work has been has been done, and um, that kind of positive aspect is is really really important. Um, and thinking about um, what does a good public realm look like and how would we do it in terms of the working with nature, um, reflect a little bit on those passive measures of wind flow, shading, material choice, um, but also good practice on working with water and vegetation. Um, I guess there's not necessarily sort of one standout project that's sort of been spectacular in this, but really, I guess, in terms of the scale and sort of speed of the change we need to make perhaps it's more about um about doing less spectacular things over a wider area so that we have that cumulative impact that we to 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 have a more a more comfortable and pleasant city to spend time in and lastly how we're reducing our own impact and being less part of the problem and that's about healthy streets in the uk and to travel um how can our design approach support that as much as possible and consolidating how much we use vehicles are we using that as effectively as possible and managing managing those emissions down as much as we can and being mindful about our travel and consumption choices it's a bit of a broad answer <laughs> yeah maybe to sort of complement it would you you know do you have a, a place or a public realm that you know if you could just you know, snap your fingers, you would get go there and you would feel like really good in that space. Like, where is that place for you? I kind of, I feel like it's sort of different, uh, different pieces of public realm have their, have their different moments. Um, in terms of that kind of spectacular beauty, just sort of seeing, um, seeing some of the, the spectacular historic squares in Siena, in Italy, you sort of really don't have to kind of go much further than, than the achievements of our medieval predecessors in making making that such a sort of stunning and also social experience. Um, but then you also have the kind of those little little kind of everyday moments where I wouldn't necessarily single out one public space, but just thinking about kind of where I where as an individual where I kind of like to stop stop and sit for a couple of minutes as part of like my working day. And how and why is that nice? It, there's, there's a little bit of green. There's a little bit of comfortable seating. I can see people. It's uh, sort of you have a little bit of the sort of noise and noise of nature, but also the city. Um, I guess that's that's a less of a kind of case study answer, but <laughs> no, but that's it's good. I think in the end we're all inspired by what we live in in our day to day and. Uh, and even here, it's. I really like the the moment of public realm. It's very true in in a city like Montreal, where we have like the winter. You have a, a space or a public realm that lives a completely different life in the winter than the summer. But 
Montreal has been really good at experiencing those and developing them for a different experience. So I like it that we also have our moments with public spaces here. Um, so Lucy, thank you so much. Uh, we've come to the end of our time today uh, with you. So thank you for joining us and sharing your experience and experience and expertise. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a real joy. Well, we hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. And if you did, please uh, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our future conversations. And uh, we'd also love to hear from uh, you, everyone listening to us, uh, with any thoughts and ideas you may have. So we'll be the, keeping the conversations going on LinkedIn, where you can find us at Momentum Transport Consultancy and Momentum Transport Canada. So from all of us at Conversations in Momentum, bye for now and we'll see you next time.